correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and um, well, I'm only one Steve this week due to various things that have happened in life, but I do have a guest, but I'll get to that in just a minute. And before we get into today's show, I want to take a minute to talk to you about another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network, that being Table Flip, which is, it's a Genesis actual play podcast, or, well, it's that plus. What it is, is Micah, better known around the Genesis community forums and such as Fat Crab, along with, I believe, Tyler, and I believe there's another person who, who kind of hosts somewhat. They do a lot of discussions about the various settings for Genesis that have been released on the Genesis Foundry on DriveThruRPG. So they'll do an actual play, they'll chat with the authors of the setting, and, and all that kind of cool stuff. So it's a pretty cool show. You can check that out. Uh, again, it's called Table Flip, and there'll be a link to their feed page in the show notes. And uh, with that, and I guess maybe kind of can segue to that, because joining me this week is Darren West, who has recently been announced as part of the Studio 404 team, who um, have officially one setting, I believe, on the Foundry, currently that being Starkana, although they are hard at work at the forthcoming Anarchy in Dragon City, which uh, I've gotten to play test two adventures in and seems really, really cool. So I guess that's kind of where we'll bring you in, Darren. And uh, so welcome to me and Steve, first off, and nice to see you again after having gotten to meet you in Texas. Yeah, it was great getting to uh, chat and play games with you and everybody else. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, very kind to, to join me last minute as I was messaging people in a panic this afternoon because of life. <laughs> <laughs> Going, who's not busy? But yeah, so congratulations on, on joining the Studio 404 team. And uh, not to put you on the spot, but uh, I know you, know you love the Genesis system. You were a, a launch author, I believe, for the founder yourself with the, an adventure, correct? Yes. Um, I was tapped by Sam uh, for the launch, uh, and I did Realms of Terranoth. I did an adventure called Hadra Shard, which is a standalone adventure if you want to play it that. But um, currently in kind of final work is part two. So I hope to have that in editing this summer. That's where I'm hoping to be and then have it laid out, which would be great. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. But I know you're also reputedly a huge Savage Worlds fan. Um I have been told, actually, uh, a direct quote from your cohorts, Brett and Phil, that, yes, Darren is the one you want to have show you Savage World, which was kind of one of my goals in Texas, but schedules just didn't work out with everyone doing everything. And you would think with four days, there would be more time, but... <laughs> it goes by so fast, doesn't it? It does. It just, it was a blur. Oh, it was my first year, too, so it was kind of, you know, I trying to just comprehend it all <laughs> yeah it's 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 a really great uh convention but there's so much to take in and there's so many great people to meet mm -hmm. that there's just you know the weekend goes by too quick 
It does. I, I described it. We did a wrap up episode with uh, Ben Erickson. Great guy. I described it as it almost less of a convention and more of a college gaming club homecoming weekend. Because yes. like, as a first timer, I'm watching every time someone comes in the door, someone's going, Hey, great to see you, you know. And it's not, and, and but even as a new person, it was very welcoming, you know, very friendly. And by the way, in case and no one else has picked up on it, we're talking about Gamer Nation Con. You can go back a few episodes and, and check the wrap up we did with Ben Erickson. Great little mini convention. Wonderful, wonderful time. So I, I did ask Brett this, so I'm not hitting you completely cold, <laughs> but it, it would appear that there may be some thoughts of Studio 404 expanding slightly outside the Genesis realm, and you don't have to divulge anything if you don't want to. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's not too bad of a of a thing. So um, as you kind of said, uh, Anarchy in Dragon City is currently being um, there's you know a lot of writing done on it. That's actually why I was brought on originally uh, as a freelance writer to write in the um, setting. And uh, we've done a proof of concept, or I say we, I did a proof of concept of how easy it was to convert to Savage Worlds. So I've made the pitch. I don't know if anything's set in stone, but I really feel like uh, it is a natural uh, fit uh, for that for that world. So I don't, I don't think I'm really speaking out of turn that way, but um, it's definitely something that we're discussing um, and something I could do. As you said, as Savage Worlds, I am very familiar with the rule set. So it's child's play <laughs> converting it for me. So uh, uh, the hard part is just, you know, making sure that we have really good world set and uh, rule set for Genesis and that all, that all set in stone and play tested and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's really cool. And and look, I have had great fun playing the setting the two times I've gotten to play it. And I wish I could say that I had gotten to play some Savage Worlds, but I haven't yet. And figured we could talk a bit about Savage Worlds because I did have a, a do a show a while back had Christopher Landauer on and we talked about Savage Worlds. And it's love Chris. Love him. Great guy. It's a very, very interesting system. And I own the core book. I have several PDF bundles that had, you know, assorted settings in them. And um, hang on just a minute. I'll get a prop. Oh, I've got one. I brought one too, just in case you needed a prop. Oh, you've got the box set. Nice. Yes. I Well, I actually bought the digital package on Humble Bundle or Bundle of Whole, I don't know, one of the bundle sites. Nice. And then I was at a convention and I saw that and I'm like, you know what? I love, I've always loved Rifts. It was the, the setting that kind of hooked me on gaming initially. Mm, and <laughs> yet for anyone who is somewhat familiar with the Palladium system and the headaches it contains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It, it's just, as I remember, it wasn't as bad to play as it was to create characters until you needed to look something up. Right. You know, for the time, it was... It was different than anything we'd had up to this point. You know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out at that point in time, um, and it was it was very different and it was very exciting. After Robotech, which is actually where I really got into Palladium, after that I played uh, Rift. Much like yourself, uh, it would take a day to make characters with players—a whole day, like an eight-hour day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's for those unfamiliar with it. Um, it's 
probably easier to describe what isn't in riffs than what is. And we can just pause for 30 seconds. And that's what's not in riffs. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, which, of course, does make for, you know, some power balance and power scaling difficulties. Although I believe those were abandoned somewhere around book two. <laughs> by the designers mm -hmm. uh yes yes uh i will say that savage worlds specifically adventure edition has and sean and and pinnacle together have done an amazing job keeping the feel of the fast fun and furious that savage worlds is known for with the high octane heavy metal explosive action that you liked out of rifts and still managed to keep it balanced. That was really the most impressive part of that rule set. Well, that's cool. And look, I, I have a basic grasp of the Savage Worlds rule set. I have yet to get to play it. And part of that is I'm a little daunted by trying to learn to run a new system on a VTT. <laughs> yeah. And given where I live, it's not the easiest to go, hey, I have this game. I want to play it. Who wants to play it? It's not D&D, &D, and you get one or two hands. It's like, well, okay. And Savage Worlds, also because, uh, amongst other things, the initiative system, if I remember correctly anyway, runs off playing cards. Therefore, you have to have some central playing card thing for everyone to use. So, Correct. you know, there's a lot of games you can play, and everyone has their own dice, and they just tell you what you get. Well, that works for some things, but not for this. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're the one who knows Savage Worlds. Where do we start with it? Other than Fast, Furious, Fun, Exploding Dice, <laughs> and Disposable Minions. Disposable Minions. Yeah, uh, that's something that, you know, Genesis and Savage Worlds have in common. But Savage Worlds, uh, the quickest history of it is originally it started for their Deadlands setting. And I'm sure you covered this at one point in time. So Deadlands was kind of an alternate Western, weird Western Mm -hmm. um, and they used, uh, since it was a Western, they started using poker chips and cards. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they integrated that into their system, which is really great because most people have access to a deck of cards and most people have access to either like little, you know, chips or, you know, you can use M&Ms or, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, as long as you have something to count your bennies, it's great. Mm-hmm. So Savage Worlds has been, it's very, it can be very narrative depending on your point of view. So you have stats. I don't know if you guys have covered this before, but you have, your stats are basically dice. So like everybody starts off with a die four in a stat. And as you increase, the die type goes from D4 to D6, D8, D12, and anything beyond D12 is a plus one. And so you're trying to hit a base, the base target number is four. Mm -hmm. Now, that number can change based on circumstances and other things, but that's base number for just a basic thing. And then for every four you get above that, if you were to roll a die. So say I were to roll a D4 and I got a four, it would explode. And if I rolled a four again, it would explode again. And that would be 12. And if my base difficulty was a four, now I've got what we call a hit and two raises. Mm -hmm. And so those two raises can do really cool things. They can help you do extra damage in combat. They can give you extra information. You can use them like you would use advantage in Genesis, you know, ask a question or two. So 
Yeah, it's it's a great system. So its progression into riffs really translates. Fortunately, there are a lot of ETGs that have integrated playing cards for various purposes. Like they have like um, the cards that you would play if you know uh, you wanted to flag something as like you just wanted to move to the next scene. So playing cards are pretty pretty common. So you can actually feel those out in a VTT environment. I agree. It's going to be much easier to play in person. At least to get it learned. Right. Everything is better to play in person. And uh, yeah, that is probably my only regret is not getting a chance to uh, run that for you. Because I know that was something you were really looking forward to. But we'll we'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah we'll, get, we'll get there at some point. But yeah, like, and then I've also been told that Savage Riffs is perhaps the... I don't know if the crunchiest is the right term, but one of the more complex variants of the Savage World system, because you have, I believe it's called gritty damage, as opposed to what in the original system was called MDC, which was, oh my God, you just disintegrated everything. (laughs) Right. So you're right. That's an excellent uh, segue into that gritty damage. So Savage Rifts can be as... Crunchy, I, I love that word, as you want it to be as far as complexity um, or as narrative as you want it to be. And the great thing as the GM, you can decide what times you need to be crunchy and what times you want to be narrative. The Savage World system automatically has what they call um, the equivalent of heavy weapon damage versus regular weapon damage. So obviously a heavy weapon would be like a cannon on a tank. And, you know, regular personal weapon damage would be like, you know, a semi-automatic rifle or Uh, you know, a pistol of some sort. If you get hit with a tank gun, that's considered heavy. And if you do not have the equivalent armor and or supernatural ability to handle that, you are in fact going to get blown to pieces. (laughs) Now, do they, is it handled numerically? Like I remember the old West End D6 Star Wars, and I believe even Genesis does this, where effectively you have personal scale, vehicle scale, and, and what, as I recall it being in, and the Star Wars stuff, capital scale, which was approximately a 10 to 1 step each way, is it right. handled similarly, or do they not really mathematically do it that way in Savage Worlds? So mathematically, it's going to work just like the main Savage Worlds book. So the way that uh, they handle mega damage is it's considered vehicular scale damage. Uh, and vehicular scale damage is... Uh, is going to be mostly what you're going to encounter in rifts as far as spaceship damage. That was, that's kind of another level. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if we're going to, if I were drawing some similarities, uh, I think there's something like that in Genesis, which is like you have personal scale, vehicular scale, and then like land vehicle scale. And then you have like ship scale. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tank shooting a battleship isn't going to do that much. I mean, it might, right. but- you know, <laughs> it's not going to do as much for sure. Right. So, but yeah, they, uh, they handle it by doing extra damage. You can do extra damage. You can do extra gritty damage. Uh, sometimes it will bypass like your, whatever your armor that adds to your total toughness in Savage Worlds. It just completely bypasses that. The numbers can get high. And that's where I think a lot of people can feel like it's going to get crunchy. But it's it's really not that bad. Um, there's a lot of tools out there. Like I have a little like a little wheel that will tell me how many raises something is. You can use apps. Uh, some people are really good at math. I'm not one of them. Some people can just do it in their head. They're like, okay, that's a hit in four raises or whatever. 
So yeah, um, they may also makes it gritty is that the system, you can only take shaken in three wounds and on the fourth wound, you're incapacitated. So it makes the game a lot more gritty. There are some games where it's really hard to die. Like I would say it's harder to die in Genesis than it is in, to, in any Savage Worlds game. I think that the lure is in Savage Rifts is that you have all of this you know, really tough armor and you have superpowers and mega spells that protect you from tank fire. So yeah, it's, it's pretty epic. Um, but it flows really well. It's not as complex as a lot of people might feel. I, I know some of my hesitation to, to try and deal with it is that I really want to do it in person mm. and I'm scared of trying to set up a VTT to do it because as much, yes, I'm a podcaster, et cetera. I'm tech impaired. <laughs> yeah. I I get that. <laughs> you know, I am not like I can operate my computer. I can even take my computer apart and change pieces, but I'm not software inclined at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really great uh, videos out there, depending on who you use. Um, I, I would say probably Fantasy Grounds has the largest amount of videos out there on how to use their VTTs. I know that you actually have a preferred VTT you use. Isn't that correct? Well, <laughs> sessions, <Right. laughs> which is obviously, uh, for those who don't know, is set up for Star Wars or Genesis, and currently that's the only things that they support. It's not really a true VTT, but it manages character sheets and die rolls and all that stuff. Yeah, it's great. The only one I have any experience with outside of sessions is I've played a couple of sessions on Roll20, mm. but that was Mutants and Masterminds, so that doesn't really help me understand Savage Worlds. I've heard a lot of very, very good things about a VTT called Foundry, which in particular... I have a couple of free league titles that I also on my list of things I'd like to play. And they have worked quite a bit with Foundry to have very, very good official support for those games. And it's one of those where if I'm going to learn a VTT, I kind of want to learn one and just be good with it. Yeah, I, I, can, I understand that. I really do. Um, I've had to learn a few because I have a lot of people who have uh, various uh, kinds of games they like to play. I mean, I, I would say I'm in deep in Roll20. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm knee deep in uh, all my Savage Worlds and um, quite a bit of uh, Genesis stuff. And so uh, I, now that I know how to use it, it's a lot easier. I understand that initial. And I had, I had a lot of those initial uh, reservations that you're talking about. It's like, oh, gosh, I'm not an API developer, right? So I was just like, okay. Um, but... Two really great things are happening with them. So they're going to get a free plug out of me automatically. With Roll20, they're redoing their UI. I'm actually currently as one of the beta, beta tester GMs. Uh, and the UI is getting a lot easier to use. They are actually revamping their UI and the way things work. Um, they're getting a, a lot more. Um, it's going to get a lot smoother. They're adding uh, more abilities. And I, I, I feel like they're going in the right direction. So I'm really looking forward to see what they do um, there. But yeah, Foundry's the, I think it's, yeah, it's the Foundry, right? Foundry, right. Right. Yeah, which not to be confused with Genesis Foundry, they're completely right. separate. But yeah, like I said, and, and part of that is just like I have the Twilight 2000 box set for the new edition of mm -hmm. Twilight 2000 sitting in the drawer. And that is one, I've always also been very much a theater of the mind guy. Just going back to my early days playing Call of Cthulhu and Second Ed, mm. Dark Sun, 
you know, in college when everyone was too broke to have minis. So we just <laughs> played theater of the mind. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And so anyway, what I've been told though, is that because of the large scale tactical elements in the twilight 2000 setting that benefits greatly from actually being played with maps for reference purpose, you know, be it artillery patrols, whatever. And so it's, it's kind of one of those, I I'll probably end up just biting the bullet and learning how to do at least some stuff on roll 20 because everyone uses it. It's everywhere. And at least for the base level, it's free entry, which foundry is not correct. At the base level, it is free, and it's a great way to learn. And there's a lot of people who are very uh, the videos out there are getting are more pre- uh, more prevalent. Um, and obviously, there's people like me who you know who are always willing to help other people learn how to use those kinds of things uh, specifically because you know the more GMs who know it, that the more opportunities it is for myself and other people to play it. So mm-hmm. uh, I love uh, spreading that uh, spreading that joy. And taking away a little bit of the mysticism and stress around it. Well, I think that's the thing is, and I don't know, you know, I've never had this conversation with you, but I know most GMs that I've ever talked with, there is that certain amount of GM anxiety anytime you're running a game of how good am I doing? Am I, you know, keeping things moving? Am I, et cetera, et cetera. And in my brain, every time I have to stop and figure out what to do on this damn screen in front of me, there is this eternal silence where my players are going, what happened? Did his connection freeze up? <laughs> yeah, I I empathize every game. I'm much like I think we actually had this conversation. I actually get anxious every game, uh, which is hilarious because I I struggle with anxiety. But I I mean I do love GMing, and once I'm in it, I, I found that sometimes if I need to if I need to find something or fumble with something, most likely all of my players need to you know take a bio break or grab a drink or you know, get some snacks. And that's what I say. I say, okay, everybody go grab a drink and come or do something really quick and come back and I should have this all ready to go. And that's kind of a natural time to do those kinds of segues. Mm-hmm. If you do that periodically anyways, you wind up with less long breaks between, normally I give a break halfway through a game anyways. So mm-hmm. uh, just to break it up. So let me ask you this, and, and I know we're kind of diverging from Riffs and Savage Worlds into VTT GMing, but uh, with, say, uh, Roll20 or or whatever, how much pre-entered stuff do you have to have for your adversaries, etc.? Like, I've been learning sessions a bit more from the GM side, and because I contribute to their Patreon, I have the wonderful ability to, in a couple of keystrokes, pull from a vast array of pre-made specifically for star Wars NPCs to be able to plug in for who knows what, is there something like that that works for savage riffs or whatever on roll 20 or are those, some of those either require you to set them all up in advance or some of those packages that you can buy. Oh, there's a lot of packages you can buy. Uh, Pinnacle has gotten really good about that. And for you know, whoever takes those from Pinnacle and creates those, uh, particularly for Savage Worlds, uh, you can have all the books brought in from Savage Worlds. Um, they also have Savage Pathfinder, which is a fantasy version of what they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savage Pathfinder is pretty interesting. But like, for instance, I'm running a Rise of the Rune Lords game with Savage Pathfinder in person and one online for my friends who live far away. And 
I actually do less prep online now because I import, uh, they have the adventure path that you can purchase and it has the maps and it has the little tokens with the bad guys on it already. And the maps are already set up. So there's a little bit of tweaking I do um, depending on the situation, but for the most part, there's a lot less work involved. So yes, to answer your question, there are there's rifts, there's regular Savage Worlds, there's Savage Pathfinder. There's some people who make out you know custom setting. Uh, the community is really big about sharing that kind of uh, like um, tokens they have and things like that. And you can you can load whatever you want. So say I'm running a Savage Pathfinder game. Uh, and I'm running a Rifts game, I could load um, my bestiary from Savage Pathfinder into my Rifts game and then just drag a monster to the de- to the top tabletop. And now I have that monster in Rifts. It's pretty nice. So Yeah, it sounds, yeah, sounds effective at least. Yeah, it's just getting used to like how to originally import, you know, getting the items you need and importing them into Roll20. That's mm-hmm. really the, that's really the trick. All right. So, should we maybe backpedal a little bit? Because I feel like yeah. we're talking about riffs from perspective of two people who know it. And right. we had a conversation going on our Discord server actually earlier today uh, with a listener's actually, I believe, from Denmark, who was kind of like hearing us talk about this and like, what is this riffs thing you keep talking about? Because yeah, I'm prone to mention it, you know, every episode or several times. Anyway. Uh, right. And so. I mean, Rifts is post-apocalyptic Earth where everything went nuts. Magic came back, psionics, aliens. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of that everything you could imagine as a teenager that somehow is all together. Um, I don't know how, exactly how else to describe it without seeing it. Well, yeah. So the way I describe it to people is think of earth where an apocalypse has happened and the more people that die during this apocalypse the more energy is released mm-hmm. and it creates tears through time space and these you know these rivers of pure magic crisscross the planet ley lines and mm-hmm. and and they when they cross at the nexus points they rip open and you know creatures from all over pour out onto earth and so earth is basically this way place for all these creatures um so initially you know demons and alien armies and you know robot overlords you know they just kind of swarm the planet and so the planet is very it's very post-apocalyptic but in addition to that uh the technology at the time was something equivalent of you know just slightly better than cyberpunk Mm -hmm. right so they had a lot of uh like cybernetics and you know big mecha and um, genetic experiments and things like that. So the world already had a really good base of technology. And so this is the setting you're in. So you can be a gnome wizard and a baby dragon and a robot pilot, and you can all be in the same group. And the system allows you to have abilities that make you on par with each other in a lot of ways. So it's, it's every, it's everything in the kitchen sink, like you said, set to 11. Um, and then you just hear some rock music in the background. And that's pretty much how I would describe riffs to most people. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's imagination gone wild in a lot of ways. Mm. And like you said, it did kind of come 
you know, it was a system, I believe that was the original Robotech RPG was in the Palladium engine. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was another one they had very early on. And they kind of folded all that in there as well with, you know, you can play, you know, mutant animals in riffs, which I believe, if I remember right, are actually scaled up a bit from the TMNT versions. But yeah, so does the Savage Riffs kind of you're saying it almost kind of levels some of the power spiral effect that got going in the original books yeah i mean in in what way well like i know like for example if i were to dig out my original rips core book and compare it to say the coalition stuff which the coalition is a not very thinly veiled nazi human supremacy equivalent thing but um if i were to dig out say my original core book and then the coalition war machine book Mm. the the power the kind of base power level is you know down here i mean it's still crazy high in the core book <laughs> but if it's at 11 in the core book it's at about 14 or 15 by the time we get to the cs war machine book you know and and it just kind of steps up i see what you're saying and i didn't know you know because i know canonically isn't the savage rift stuff about 5 years ahead of the palladium stuff um yeah it's slightly ahead in in that in that regard they've actually had a number of books come out and i feel like that they haven't had that problem that originally in savage rifts that palladium rifts had mm-hmm. um i feel like the after seeing some of the new because you know every time a new book would come out in like you're saying in the old rifts it was always like something was always you know next level up mm-hmm I think they've done a good job keeping things on par with each other. And because of the way that they handle, for lack of a better term, experience, they call them advances and ranks, the way they handle that in Savage Rifts really allows a GM to just go, okay, well, you know, you are going to be facing demigods, so we're going to bump your advances this much. And you, it basically advances your character's to a level where they will able to compete with those things. But as far mm-hmm. as new technology is pretty much uh, the same um, with maybe some slight flavor differences, but I, I don't see the kind of scaling that we used to see in all the world books of mm-hmm. Palladium Rifts. Yeah. Well, I think also too, though, what I do know of Savage Worlds, it is it, Palladium is a very, very granular system. And specifically all the, the world books, the splat books for the Palladium or for the Palladium Rifts really dived in on that where you would have it was basically the same thing, but this one had better shoulder armor and a better main weapon, but its backup weapons weren't as good and you know, stuff like that, where I feel like the ethos of Savage Worlds is okay, you have a giant robot with a big gun. And it's just like his giant robot with a big gun, but his looks completely different because it's flavored a little different. As mm-hmm. far as game mechanic differences, there isn't a lot, but you're allowed to dress it differently to make it feel different and play different. Is that yeah, correct? That's 100% correct. I mean, and sometimes it's just the qualities are different. Like, for instance, you may run into some technologies where they exclusively use plasma weapons. Right. So plasma weapons might have like burn or, you know, other types of properties, whereas, you know, um, you might run into somebody who's using rail guns. So they have a really high armor piercing rate because, you know, it's a high velocity thing being shot. So there are some mechanical differences, but they 
they even them out, right? Mm-hmm. Where, whereas a plasma weapon might do more dice and damage, uh, a railgun may do less dice and damage, but have more armor piercing. So if when you start comparing those numbers, they wind up really close to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also wind up becoming very specific. Like you don't want to use a plasma gun on a dragon who's immune to fire, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, or something, something that might be immune to plasma. So it really does push forth the, the thought of, you know, the Swiss army knife have something for every situation kind of, uh, fun when it comes to rifts, weapons mm-hmm. and vehicles. Also because the terrain is constantly changing due to the rivers of magic and nexus points and alien environments, you know, um, mixing with earth environments, you know, you could go from a snowstorm to a desert in just a matter of an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can really change the way vehicles react and are. So I do like the way they reskin it. So answer your question, yeah. They reskin things a lot, which I really appreciate. Okay. Yeah, because that was my understanding of, of that's how Savage Rifts kind of handled a lot of the, and, and even as a fan of the setting, the over splatbookification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What they've turned the new splat books into through uh, Savage Rifts is they've actually turned them into um, like adventure module books. I mean, they do have new what they call um, archetypes or iconic classes that you can play. Uh, they have new species you can play um, and new you know gear and weapons. But usually, most of those books contain a, you know new things you can encounter in the world, uh, new uh, adversaries that you can fight up against. Um, or, you know, allies you can make, things you can explore, uh, which is really great. Uh, you know, they have the Atlantis book out now. Um, I have is, that one, actually. I backed that. Oh, good. It, it just sort of takes the PCs out of their, you know, normal, everyday ground pounding to something that's just kind of mystical and underwater and very different. Yeah. But I think they've done a good job keeping those things fairly uh, they've turned they've turned their splat books into what they should have been which is actual world books well yeah because there was always those few pages of aaron tarn's diary Mm. but then it became pages upon pages of stats and skills and more skills because we already didn't have enough in the core book and (laughs) yeah they they uh, there's not a whole lot of new skill introduction that i mean that does happen sometimes but I would say overall, the things that make rifts crunchy are there's a there's a lot of customization that you can do in rifts that you can't do in some other Savage Worlds worlds. Particularly, you can create your own vehicles. You can modify your own vehicles. So yeah, you can get you should start getting into crunchy, but you can do that in Genesis. Oh yeah. So uh, it, it, there's a lot more things to that, um, and not everything runs on gasoline or is nuclear powered right some of some things are powered through magic so you have a wizard who runs a magically powered mecha you know mm-hmm. and actually shoots lightning bolts into the lasers so uh that's i think that's the thing is um there's so many options sometimes uh it can feel crunchy but i think as long as gms have good second zeros with their players and are feel pretty strongly about this the system savage worlds i think it rifts is by far just a really great system. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Well, and I think riffs to me, because 
Rifts was the first game I ever GM'd mm. because I saw these and I'm like, well, this is awesome. I want to play this. And the friends that I had that had the books didn't want to run it. I'm like, well, f- fine, I will. Well, now I understand why, but, <laughs> but you bring up a really valid point uh, talking about your session zero. And I think even though I didn't know what it was called, then I understood enough to know that with everything that's here, we need to set down some clear ground rules to go, okay, this is what we're doing Mm. and not that over there. So everyone we're going to, you know, basically my, at the time, what I was saying was, okay, everyone can, humans in armor or MDC beings of comparable hit point levels, because I was new to gaming and, being about the same toughness to kill seemed like a good balance point. <laughs> you know, so I think at one point we had a cyber knight, a flying tiger, um, yeah, maybe a, a runaway dead boy. Uh, at one point we had a predator as a PC, which we actually found this again in the early days of the internet. I found a predator conversion where the mm. predator mesh armor protected them from MDC, but not SDC which I thought was a really neat way to kind of balance them. Yeah. And for people who don't know, like the iconic, uh, there are, there are several, they actually call them iconic frameworks. That's the character classes in, Mm -hmm. in uh, Savage Rifts for your characters. And so the iconic characters are, you know, like you're saying um, a cyber knight, which is basically a equivalent of a, of a cybernetic paladin. Right. Mm Mm-hmm cyborg jedi yeah basically jedi that can make make a magical sword appear out of nowhere they're basically cybernetic jedi um bursters um which basically are you know people who are you know, like johnny storm flame on um there's you know something they call crazies which is probably inappropriate now but for the most part they have these um, mental implants that make them smarter and or smarter and faster and more quick and dangerous but it also slowly uh, degrades their psyche, uh, you know, so there's a lot of those things. And, you know, you and I take those for granted because, of course, we played them. But um, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, GMs sitting down with their players and just kind of finding out what they like to play. There's it, I, it's one of those. It's one of the few times it's always yes. Instead of yes. And it's always yes. I want to play blah. Yes, you can play that. In yeah, let me get that book. <laughs> right. And, and you're talking about crazies. And yes, yes, by modern sensibilities, they're not the most sensitively created characters. Right. They're um, great characters. I love playing oh, them. Absolutely. The, the character I will forever remember, as long as I live from my gaming past, was a crazy. It wasn't my character. And, and listeners of the podcast, I've told a little bit of the story of the Twinkie Avenger before, but I'll repeat it here just because you'll appreciate it. So I had was at our weekly Call of Cthulhu game up in the student center. Mm. And this freshman, I was a sophomore, I think, had come in and, you know, just kind of seen what was up and said, you know, he played like riffs and whatnot. I'm like, oh, well, I said, you know, I run a riffs game. And so, you know, we exchanged, you know, phone numbers, whatever. And he comes over and creates a character. And this, this individual's name was Andy, but he was forever thereafter. And even by himself, he would call me and leave me a message. Go, hey, Steve, it's Twinkie, you know, and whatever. So he's he's rolling up a character and he decides to make a crazy. And so he's going through. And you remember there's the old power by association chart. 
mm-hmm. which is basically when they wake up from getting the implant, somehow they associate having the powers with like consuming a su- certain food or being in the presence of a certain thing. Yeah, having a lucky rabbit's foot or eating spinach to be stronger or... And there's this huge, there's several tables that you roll on. So he mm-hmm. rolls, he gets, you know, the power by association and then it's a, like a, the food. And so it's a D100 table and he rolls, and I just want to know who decided this should be on the table. He rolled asparagus dipped in vanilla yogurt, <laughs> which is an entry on this table. Now, I just want to know who went, let's try this and therefore it should be on the table. But anyway, yeah. so Andy kind of looks at me and goes, man, that's weird. Who would think to I said, well, we could just give you Twinkies, which actually are on the table. I think it's the oh, double yeah. lot roll. And his eyes lit up. He goes, is that really an option? I said, actually, yes, it is. And he just went nuts. Like he painted uh-huh. all his fusion blocks to look like Twinkie boxes. He had a neural mace that was painted to look like a Twinkie on a stick. He had a, At one point, he had a hover cycle that he named FD&C Yellow Number 5. Nice. You know, it just constant stuff like this. And he was always, you know, just, he was, <laughs> I think it was the Twinkie Avenger. At, at one point there was the Cyber Knight was there and he was forever needling the Cyber Knight, both as a player and in character as faithful sidekick, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but just one of those characters that you forever remember just because they were so over the top, but riffs the world like you said, it just promotes that. Like you want to do this thing here, turn it to 11. Yeah. And they've done a really good job. I mean, the one thing that I will say riffs was ahead of its time on was um, with the coalition, which is human supremacists. I think there's a lot of interesting parallels that can be played that are very, is very interesting because, you know, the coalition are kind of like um, one of the, uh, totalitarian, you know, humans first kind of uh, groups. And so um, much like Babylon 5, uh, I felt like that this was a, it was a really ahead of its time in a lot of ways, uh, as far as the kinds of, like for those people who do like to do their kitchen sink, but also want a little bit of, you know, social commentary or, you know, some, some really interesting, you know, choices that they have to make, um, put them in moral dilemmas and things like that. I think I think Riffs has got that. Yeah, um, definitely can have it for sure. Yeah, if you want that in your game, if if it can be as simple as a beer and pretzels game, or it can be as 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 deep and meaningful as Stargate SG One or Babylon Five, uh, if that's something you're you're into. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, it's great. But then of course, then you can play a dragon hatchling, you know, or uh, a juicer who only lives six years, but is, you know, crazy fast and basically almost, you know, godlike in their speed and strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, juicers are like universal soldier turned way up. Right. Right. You know, it, it, yeah, there was so much of that where I think, is it fair to say, take a lot of those eighties action movie military fantasy tropes and just turn them eh, two steps past their logical extreme. Yeah. You just, you just turn the knob a little bit and, you know, a little higher. And that's basically what, what they're set at. 
the interesting thing is also uh, one of the things that I really liked about Rifts and Savage Worlds also has this in one of their books, and that is you can create species. If there is something that's not in there, uh, that's the beauty of the system is creating uh, different types of species. One of my players loved the Cronin in Marvel Thor Ragnarok. And so she wanted to play one in Rifts. And I was like, okay. Uh, and the rules allowed you know, me as a GM and her as a player to create this Cronin uh, who was full of rock pun jokes. Um, and it was a part of the, uh, the, you know, tomorrow Legion who are kind of like, you know, the, the new rebellion uh, against the coalition. And, you know, so we made a decent, like a, a really great species off of that based on that. So you could make almost anything mm -hmm. um, from another system. Yeah, well, and the original system supported that by virtue of all the Palladium games running off the same basic system. They made a couple conversion books, and there you went. Because actually, right. the same player who played the Twinkie Avenger at one point made a version of Captain Marvel. Mm. Now, Andy really didn't care about playing Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was the excuse so that the character was useful. He wanted to play Billy Batson. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, you were saying this as well. I mean, you can, you could bring a, um, from a, a Pinnacle, they have the superpowers companion, right? Mm -hmm. You could bring your super into this world. The great thing about Rifts and Savage Worlds is it's very easy to convert tropes that maybe like Traveler, or you could even easily convert Dark Heresy to Savage Worlds. And I've seen it done. Which is an interesting segue for me to say, you know, there are a lot of things that Studio 404 creates that I think would be, and I, I have, I have nothing, I have, I have, this is just a dream, but that would easily and amazingly convert to Savage uh, Rifts or Savage Worlds, and that would be, I mean, if you really liked those things, you could convert those, uh, those into, into Savage Worlds. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I've often said I, I think there was a great deal of influence one direction or the other between the Coalition and the Imperium of Man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just mm -hmm. looking at the art and the you know the, the pictures of space marines versus Coalition soldiers, someone was influencing someone else. Sure. <laughs> I mean that's that's the beauty of creation, right? Everybody oh, yeah. inspires some some something out of that. So yeah, for sure. But yeah, it, it is really, I mean, if, if you, like, I think you said it best in that it's a, a game of not yes and or no, but it is yes plus mm -hmm. is, is yeah. the best way to describe the setting possibly because it, it yeah. And, and I know like in the, uh, in the box set and I know at least in the digital bundle, there were guidelines too of, like you said, for creating things or, okay, I have this thing from the original Rifts book. How can I bring it over? And it just goes through steps of how do you, you know, what's the intent of it? Okay, so take this and then this. And it doesn't give you a conversion chart, but it gives you guidelines to make the thing that feels like the thing you want. Right, right. Which it, 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 one of the great things about the Savage World system, even you know, rifts aside, is you can create um, in just the main Savage Worlds book. 
you can create new species or ancestries or heritages or lineages or whatever you want to call them in your world from the base book. The Rifts book has much like everything else in Rifts, it's got a lot more options, right? Because everything's set to 11. So I, 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 yeah, if, if you're big into, into just bringing everything in the kitchen sink, you're, you're right. That's probably one of the best ways. It's a great way to keep the system open for anything you love that <laughs> just went by the wayside and you want to play it in a new system. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, damn it. I, I needed more things to want to dive into deeply. And this happened yeah. when I talked to Landauer and it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. Landauer is very convincing too. Oh, uh, he is. Uh, charisma's not a dumb stat. Uh, he, <laughs> he is, he is, uh, he's good at that. Um, and you know, one of the things I like both, I mean, the reason why I play Genesis and Savage Worlds, they're both systems are yes and, or yes plus systems. I think that's the reason why I like it and why I like both systems. And with Savage Rifts, um, if you get the chance at all, and you know, of course I am now going to, um, make sure that we schedule some time, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I highly recommend playing it at a table if possible. If not, uh, definitely playing out on a VTT. There's a lot of stuff out there digitally, as you've already kind of said. Definitely give it a give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think now the one thing, and I have just I want to ask you this as a, someone who's got the experience with Savage Worlds, mm. because of the exploding dice and the. I'll just say punchiness of it. And by that, I mean the fact that because of the exploding dice, pretty much anything can happen on any roll. Yeah. Is it a little harder of a system to steer as a GM? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, you you understand what I'm asking. Though. Yeah. Are you saying like, hey, you know, dice can explode and then your bad guy is dead? Right. Kind of, yes. Or, or your dice explode and now you kill the party on accident. But, um, well, not that that can't happen in other systems, but it feels like the exploding dice and the design of Savage Worlds being so fast-paced and yeah, punchy, for lack of a better word. So there are a lot of things they've put in place for that. When you exceed your wounds right? Just like you in, in another system. If, if you are incapacitated, you're not actually dead. So if you incapacitate the whole group, there's, there's times, there's a little bit of time before you bleed out or you actually die. In the unfortunate event that the entire player group is incapacitated, as a GM, as all GMs, you have the ability to kind of say, okay, and you guys all wake up in a cell or, you know, now you've given them a chance to, you know, break out of wherever they're at now. Like just because they were, you know, incapacitated doesn't necessarily mean they're dead. Mm. Um, and that's very similar to, um, you know, Genesis in that way you can be incapacitated, but not die. Um, and so there's that for the players. There's also wound caps. So what happens is say a bad guy rolls really, really well, and it looks like you're going to take a mega damage weapon and it's going to be, you know, Bacon and six wounds. Well, there's a wound cap. There, you can actually have a wound cap in some systems. Uh, I know that uh, Savage Pathfinder does this. And it's a four wound cap. So you can't take more than four wounds, which is basically enough to incapacitate you, but not so far down the track that you're just evaporated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that allows players, because of the bennies, they use bennies. So those poker chips we talked about, 
I'm noticing a lot more systems using them. So uh, Genesis has story points. Uh, D&D 5e has inspiration, which is kind of a kind of a watered down version of Benny's. But Savage Worlds have Benny's, which is basically poker chips. And you get a stack of three with almost any basic character. And you can throw those chips down and try to soak that damage, which mm-hmm. is one of the greatest things about Savage Worlds in general. Um, because you get, the, you get more of those Benny's, those chips from your GM by... Mm-hmm. Uh, role-playing your hindrances, you know, clever ideas. Um, you know, if you're following the ideals of whatever the campaign, you know, is or something, your GM gives those to you. That's a form of role-playing currency, right? Those bennies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's back and forth. And, you know, I've seen some really good role players with just like a stack of eight of those suckers. And you don't need to hoard them because you get them so quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every new game you start, you start with three of these bennies. Every fresh game, you refresh your bennies. Um, so you can use those to soak. And what that allows you to do is you take all that damage and say I take four wounds. Well, I'm going to need, uh, if the target number is four, I'll roll my wild die, which is a D6, because you're a hero, you're a wild card. And I'll roll my vigor die, which we'll say is a D8. Um, and I take the higher of those two. And for every four above target number four i get i can soak an additional wound so you want explosions Mm -hmm. so it's possible i hit a pc with something that would normally kill them and they throw down their benny they make their soak roll and they manage to soak all the wounds they don't take the damage it becomes a superficial wound that just barely misses a vital part of their body right something that's not going to affect them in combat but you know they got hit but it's not life-threatening um, that's one of the greatest parts about Savage Worlds and Savage Rifts is just that constant back and forth, um, that you know, big explosions of getting knocked through a wall and you know, getting up and dusting yourself off because you used a Benny and <laughs> running back into combat. So okay, so if I'm understand, you're saying like the the Bennies and because the dice explode on both sides. More so mm-hmm. on the players, usually because they're wild cards and not every NPC is, almost creates that cinematic that should have really hurt, but it's only a flesh wound kind of. Your arm's off, though, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So curious to see what that game's like when it finally hits the table. Right. That um, way. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But yeah, it's basically plot armor. Bennies are great plot armor to keep your plot going. Just as your, you know, your players who are the wild cards, they're kind of the heroes of the story. You have villains who think they're the heroes of their own story, obviously. Uh, and so they also have bennies. Your, your big, bad, wild card villains, generally, it's generally a bad guy with a name. If they've got a name, you're pretty sure that they're a wild card. They'll have a stack of bennies, too. And the GM gets a stack of bennies as well to use however he needs during a campaign. So you get to use those bennies as well to soak damage as well. Um, and it becomes this kind of fun back and forth. Players trying to get the GM to use all his bennies on his bad guys. So they take all these flesh wounds. The bad guy gets kind of knocked back. And the bad guy shakes it off and runs out. And they have this last big epic battle. And it, it creates this kind of you know, great cinematic back and forth, which is where they get the fun, the fast, fun, and furious. It's very quick. Combats are great. I can run, you know, I can run a, I can run a couple of combats in a four-hour game and still get a lot of good role play in, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you can't say that with every system. 
If you no. run a big, if you run a big combat, I can run a mass combat using Savage Worlds uh, or Savage Rifts uh, the same way. And you you use those bennies, and everybody you know attributes to a you know a mass battle. So, so now you said you know as a player you earn them by role play, etc. As a GM, do you have a fixed pool you start with, and when they're gone, they're gone? That is correct. As a GM, I get uh, one Benny per player at my table. So if there are five players, I get five Bennies. And then every wild card gets three Bennies. So every wild card I'm playing as a GM will get three Bennies. But those are just for them. Okay. So, um, yeah, as a GM, I have a finite amount. Now, a GM can get a Benny if uh, during the initiative phase, which we talked about as cards, right? Mm -hmm. So card initiative phase is reverse you know, highest to lowest, um, you know, number, you know, um, like ace to two and then alphabetically reversed. So like spades to, uh, clubs. And so say, but there's also two jokers in the deck and a joker, a joker is a wild card, which is where they're getting the term from. Uh, and a joker basically allows you two things. If a player gets a joker on initiative, every player at the table gets a Benny, which is like saved so many players so many times because they were just out of bennies. If a GM pulls a joker, he and all of his NPCs get a Benny, which can be really kind of epic. You know, it's like, you know, watching, you know, the Empire Strikes Back where, you know, they're just like General Veers manages to, you know, get a joker and all the stormtroopers now have a Benny as they take, you know, Hoth. So it's kind of that same cinematic feel. GM, it is... The thing I like about it is it does lean towards player agency, but it still gives your GMs the kind of plot armor they need for their big bad. Okay. Because that had been one thing that just, you know, in in reading the core book some and in just kind of having a base level understanding of how the system worked, it felt like from the GM side, it might be prone to being a little haphazard. Not that players don't do that on their own, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, the, the Savage Worlds Adventure uh, edition, which is the most recent ver- version out, mm-hmm. is, they've really included a lot of great things. Um, and we're just talking about the basic rules. They've added things like conviction, which is a really interesting uh, mechanic. Um, and you've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of other game systems use it. Uh, Wizards of the Coast flat out stole it and put it in as inspiration. You know, that's what inspiration does. You know, it allows you to roll 2d20 and take the higher of the two. Out currently is um, on a Kickstarter, and they're going to get a free mention for me as well again, is uh, Kabold Press does Tales of the Valiant. And they're using what they call luck, which is so close to Benny's, I can't even tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have it. that's the black flag thing, right? Right, that's the black flag thing, and it's really it's great. I, I'm I'm not poo pooing it at all. I backed I backed the Kickstarter, so I'm I'm a firm believer in those kinds of systems that uh, give the players more agency. It, on top of that, uh, Savage Worlds has what they call um, adventure cards, and these are cards you can use um, that players get per rank. You can get these little cards, and on the cards they have a little like a little special thing you can do. And a little blurb, and they're super fun to read. And you can trade them amongst your fellow players, and you can play them during a game to basically mess with your GM, which I love. I love it when my players do that. Where my players, like, some of the cards are something as funny as love interest, which is you play this card on an NPC, 
and you know they become romantically you know th- th- there's a romantic thing going on there or folk hero you're, if your heroes complete the mission you become folk heroes which is super cool but then there's some things like you know monologue and you play it on my bad guy and my bad guy has to spend a turn telling you his grand plan you know and monologuing <laughs> these are great cards that, that it's not something you use um that everybody uses i use them exclusively i i I love curveballs being thrown at me, so uh, it's a great way to sharpen your GM, your GM game. I wouldn't recommend it on your first try, but definitely give yeah. it a shot once. The monologue one's kind of frightening because that entails that I actually have a grand plan in mind. Right. Well, and you can just be, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can just completely, yeah, you may not have it. You may just spend that turn talking about how awesome you are and how much better than the PCs you are um, or whatever uh, as the bad guy. So. No, that sounds... I see. I, I've said this before. Steve and I talked a little bit about it in our last episode. I really, really love playing Genesis and the NDS, Star Wars, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much I like running it yet. I, I I like it in theory, but there are times where I want a little more of a handle than I feel like I have sometimes, and I don't know if that's because like. The one thing, and I remember this uh, GM Chris telling us this the first time we talked to him, and maybe I heard Hooli say it on one of the episodes of either Dice Pool or, or, you know, The Forge or whatever. But that idea that if you have a player upgrade a check, you know, to where they have that possibility of a despair, you better have a plan with what to do if that despair comes up. And there's times where I felt like, man, I, I want to upgrade this what do I do? Like, I just want it more difficult because of these factors. I don't necessarily need there to be a dire consequence. And it feels like perhaps because Savage Worlds is a little more binary, that maybe that's the lever that I feel like I don't have. Does that make sense? That I I understand where, what you're saying, uh, and that is that is something I've heard a couple of times from a couple of people. Um, so f- first, I'm going to play devil's advocate, and then I'm going to join you on Savage Worlds. The devil's advocate is Jay Little, who and and the entire you know originally FFG now Edge Studios group have done a great job, really thinking about the rules. They constantly do that. They're always mm-hmm. you know trying to improve it. Um, but they even included, if you can get hold of like the GM screen, if you don't want to use your core book, but they include a lot of settings now, <clears throat> include with their settings, what to do with despair. Mm-hmm. And for GMs who just like, I don't want to mess with that. You can just go to the chart and follow the chart. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really evil. I'll ask a player what do you think is going to happen? And they're going to go, Oh gosh. And then they'll tell me, I'm like, that's a great idea. That's what we're going to do. And, and, you know, they're usually pretty, I mean, it's player agency, you know, what would fit narratively in the situation and Mm -hmm. I'll let them do it. And it gives them player agency. That said, I understand where you're coming from because it is, it is a common, it's something I hear. Mm -hmm. Um, Savage worlds feels binary. You're right. And it can be played more binary, However, if you really want to dive into Savage Worlds, you'll find out that there are there is nuance to things. There's a rule that when you're firing into combat, if you roll a one on the shooting die, 
you could hit your friend links. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like you would if in Genesis you were firing into combat, you would have to upgrade it to a red, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if you roll yeah. a despair, you're going to shoot your buddy. So I mean, it's it, it it is it is it can be more binary binary. I think because it can get very granular. GMs and I like this for certain types of settings, like rifts. I, I like this for rifts, and that is. It's something like it's a pair. It's handlebars that I can hold on to and go. Okay, if this happens, I know what to do. I think just like with anything, it's preparation. So um, yeah, it's it's like trying to say you know which of your children you love most because I do love Genesis and I do love mm-hmm. Savage Worlds and it's really hard. Yeah, but both have their place for the kind of setting. Yeah, and and like I said, I, I'm not trying to say that as a knock on the NDS. No, no, no. I wasn't even taking that. It. it and and you do bring up a valid point. I'm currently uh, running Chronicles of the Gatekeeper. Ooh. And, but I've noticed through all those pre-made modules for Star Wars, there is a lot of that. They get this many threat. You could spend it to do this. If you could, you know, they roll a despair, you know, because my players had an encounter with a couple of bear sloths. Because, I'm sorry, they're a really cool monster. And then they yes. tried to cook it. And that didn't go so well. Because I think there was a, I don't remember exactly whether it was just a really crappy roll or if there was a despair involved. I don't think there was a despair involved. I think it was just a really crappy roll. <laughs> Definitely. You know, and, and then the Doug was mad because the Kamasi used his spices to try and cook the bear sloth. And yeah, you know. <laughs> Gotta watch that bear sloth too. <laughs> too much human um, and it'll it'll just ruin it. But yeah, you know, they do... But there, I've also found times where like, and maybe this is because I discovered when I was learning to play the NDS that it requires a little bit of a different mental approach. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's the same thing GMing it where you, you do have to think a little differently and I'm still learning how to do that. Yeah, I think so. That's a great point. And and by the way, I didn't I didn't think you were poo pooing one over the other. No, I mean, I yeah, think I'd... I think the things you're talking about are are pretty common um, with the narrative dice system or the NDS. I really feel like um, I find that the adventures that already have all that stuff written in there, which is how I wrote Major Shard, because I was like, hey, okay, if they get this, this is what's going to happen. Um, I think putting those in there for GMs is key. Um, if you're making your own adventure, having those in mind is key. Whereas, like you're saying, in Savage Worlds, you know, if they fail, unless it's an epic fail, they've just failed. Mm-hmm. But you can have them fail by degrees. If they fail a roll by four, remember, just like it's a raise, you could add a little extra. So sometimes mm-hmm. my players don't know this, but if they fail by a great number, I not only give them the wrong, inf- or the, they don't get the information, they actually get the wrong information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, which is great. Yeah, no, I, that's something to me. That's something I think people don't, as players, don't do as much as we often should. Is just the the, the kind of used to be a running joke in the one five e game I played in. I would constantly just roll crap on perception checks, and so I'm like, man, my shoes are really shiny today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like you said, you notice either notice things wrong. It's not just not doing the thing you need to be. It could be 
something else. And the trick, I think, is as a player, subconsciously being able to put aside that fact that I know I failed the role. So what the GM's telling me isn't what really is, but I think it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting little tangent that we went down there, but no, that's a good tangent. <laughs> I mean, that's a good tangent. I mean, and you know, some like I've got some players who get analysis paralysis in NDS. They don't have much like, you know, they're just like, I don't know what to do with this advantage. And I, I feel put on the spot. I'm like, that's no problem. I print out a chart for them. There are Star Wars charts made by fans and things like that as well out there. And you set that on the table and go, if you're not sure what to do here, you just use this chart if you, or ask the group. Um, in Savage Worlds, it, it still kind of lends to that narrativeness. Both, I do love that both systems, when people start rolling really well, everybody leans in, mm-hmm. right? So in NDS, you know, everybody looks for the role, like what's going to happen. Whereas in Savage Worlds, somebody starts exploding dice and they keep rolling and the entire group goes, oh my, they just start watching their eyes, you know, everything. And, you know, somebody's like, okay, well, that's a 39 on my perception check. I'm like, okay, so this is what we're going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. Uh, yeah, I love that about Savage Worlds too, because it, it makes me lean forward just like all the other yeah. players. Well, that's the one thing I've noticed. And I, again, not having gotten to play Savage Worlds yet, you know, haven't had a chance to see it there. But that's the one thing I, I've really noticed with the NDS is everyone is so in on everyone else's. Like the engagement for the die rolls is so much greater. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, you rolled a 27. Okay, you hit. Right. You know, but anyway. And it comes down to the GM, like you said. It's the GM, you know. You just say, okay, you rolled a 27. Your target number was an eight. What does this look like? Because you're going to hit this guy. And you know that, and I'm sure Matt would never claim to have invented that. Well, what does it look like when you, you know, Matt Mercer's line that he uses all the time. Sure. But it's such a simple, beautiful tool. Mm -hmm. It's a great tool. You know. How do you want to do this? Yes, that's, yeah. That's the line I was thinking of and not actually remembering. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, anything else you want to speak on in regards to any of the wherever we've been? Or uh... <laughs> Well, um, I will say that um, just a plug for Studio 404 as a member now, um, Mechasis just went gold on the uh, Foundry, um, which is great. Um, if you if you didn't hear um, in a previous episode of uh, Steve and me, uh, you should go back and listen to the the Gen Con episode where they talk about transformers um, using the Mechasis system. It is mm-hmm. amazing. Obviously, we're working on Anarchy in Dragon City, which is a great fantasy sci-fi shadow run kind of feel to it. You know, mm-hmm. that's currently being play tested and worked on. We are, uh, in addition to making it for Genesis, there are talks currently of converting it for Savage Worlds. So it's very appropriate that we're having this conversation about Savage Worlds. Initial looking into that has been proven very positive. Um, As I've said, creating species was really easy. Um, So that's been really great. Also, I would, I have a dream, which, you know, I'm not speaking for Studio 404 in this, but I do have a dream of someday seeing Anarchy and Dragon City in Rifts. So uh, just to make that uh, segue even more uh, <laughs> um, exciting. But yeah, that's that's it. Thank you for well, having me on. No, thank you for taking the time, especially on such short notice, um, <laughs> you know, a few hours as it was. 
do you have anything personally you'd like to plug as well? I don't know, um, you know what all other stuff you've done aside from, you know, Hadra Shard and. So, yeah, I have a lot of things. I, I'm, unfortunately, I do have some NDA stuff, so I would love to talk about some things, but um, definitely uh, check out Twilight Imperium. Uh, it's been really, really great. I know you've made some plugs for it. Uh, as far as NDS systems, that one's, that one's on the epic scale. That is some cool stuff with some great species. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that um, how that does and where that goes. Hadrashard Part 2 is being um, worked on. I know it's way overdue. Uh, I've had freelance work, which is a great problem to have. Uh, other paying gigs. <laughs> so that's been good. Keeping me busy. Uh, you know, and then we, of course, had a plague uh, just a little while back. So that kind of... Uh, Put a damper on things, but that is coming along. Uh, it's been playtested a little bit, and uh, fairly soon I will be giving it to my uh, editor to carve up like a Christmas goose. <laughs> all right. Well, with all that, you know, yeah, like I said, check out all the Studio 404 stuff. I'll find a link to the website and put it in the show notes. Um, and with that, I think then maybe it's time we move into Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Yes. Woohoo. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right, so uh, would you like me to go first, or do you have something in mind? Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. So I found something today, and I actually uh, got it for myself because it just looks interesting. Uh, this is actually a system agnostic. Let's call it kind of campaign setting combination. It's called A Few Honest Cops, and I'll throw you a link in the green room so you can check it out. Um it's a cyberpunk setting slash adventure where basically you are playing, as the title would indicate, the few honest cops left in the city. But it's not done with any system stats. It's just kind of a setting framework and a story framework to plug in. So you could run this. The, they call the city Verity City is what the, the city is named in the setting book, right? Well. You could obviously name it whatever. You could have it as your sci-fi version of whatever city you want it to be. It gives you kind of a, what is, I don't want to say generic, but a, a fairly bland infrastructure for you to kind of dress out mm. as you want it for your game. And then as it gets down into it, there are five cases that you kind of progressively work through where you gradually uncover more corruption, et cetera, and they all kind of tie together. But like I said, it's done it's completely system agnostic. And I just thought it was it was a really neat thing. Um, pay what you want on drive through. Suggested price is ten bucks. Sixty pages. It's by Cole. Is it Cole Burgett or Cole Burgett? I'm I'm not sure. Burgett maybe. I, I Burgett. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's not. Burgette because there's no e at the end yeah. but who knows because it's english we're speaking and we don't follow any rules so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that looks interesting you could plug that into your uh you know your you know shadow run you could plug that into your shadow of the beanstalk you could plug that into your savage worlds uh adventure edition cyberpunk yeah, which yeah. There, there's several of those. I think I have a couple of them. I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Yeah, Sprawl. There's Sprawl Runners and... Interface Zero, I think, is Interface the Interface Zero 3.0, and uh, yeah, there's a bunch of great ones. But you could even do this in, 
Anarchy and Dragon City, probably. I know the cops are set up a little differently, but you know, totally the, the concepts are there. Or, or you could even take it and this individual, I, I, you know, you click on the name, you can see that he's done a bunch of other, you know, system agnostic kind of adventure setting seed things. But you could easily take this and dress it to just a straight fantasy thing if you wanted to. It's mm-hmm. not that hard. You know, yes, he's he's writing it all in in a cyberpunk setting, but let's face it, we we do this with imagination, so <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's at least to my brain, it's not that hard to take it and go, okay, so they're glistening glass and steel towers. No, it's just a great big castle, <laughs> or you know, wizard towers or whatever. So yeah, that's 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 going to be my pick for this week. It's called a few honest cops. Well, that's a good one. Well, my pick for this week is actually going to be, um, I just, I bought it before because it came out right during Gamer Nation Con, but I had a chance to read it till this week. And that was uh, Just Drive mm-hmm. uh, from Keith Kappel and Hymetric Games. It's a ground vehicle supplement for Genesis. Uh, the reason why is I was looking into some Mad Max dune buggy ideas I had, um, mm-hmm. and I decided to look at the supplement, um, which just... Adds a little bit more of that uh, grit we mm-hmm. uh, we want out of our our NDS games sometimes, and I just there's a bunch of new talents and some cool archetypes, um, really great stuff. Um, I like the losing control rules specifically, um, but yeah, definitely um, that's a great one, and it can be plugged into again, like you said, it can be plugged into a bunch of different types of uh, uh, obviously NDS. But you could use some of the charts and some of the things for, you know, almost any system if you're uh, feeling kind of about it. But yeah, let's yeah. try. Keith, Keith's work is, is really good. I haven't gotten a chance to really read it yet, but that's one I've been waiting for because I knew he was working on it. You know, I didn't know what it was going to be called, whatever. But yeah, because I'm, I'm a bit of a gearhead. And, you know, the idea of how can I do something Fast and the Furious-ish or right. Dukes of Hazard-ish. Has always been sitting there. Yeah. Because uh, I actually had this weird idea that I wanted to do. Like, I was jokingly referring to it as the Dukes of Leverage, but kind of Dukes of Hazard meets Leverage. Oh, I like it. You know, which actually probably isn't that far from the A team. But anyway. Hey, A team is good too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was very entertaining. I actually recently went back and watched the actual original pilot. And all I'm going to say is I'm glad somebody decided to make the show, but I'm not sure why they did from that. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, <laughs> maybe it's just times have changed and expectations have changed in modern television, whatever. But uh, yeah, back then it was great stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, the show is much better than the pilot. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, Just Drive is, is great. So, yeah, I guess. uh yeah, thank you very, very much for taking the time again. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And so I guess with all that, you know, uh, if you like the show and you want to want to support us on Patreon, we'd love it. If you don't, that's fine. Um, we also do have a drive through affiliate link. I don't typically put an actual link for it in the show notes, although it is tacked on to all the Game of the Week links. So if you go there that way, you can you can help us out a little bit with that. We get a little bit of a kickback if you buy anything through that. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Facebook, uh, come talk to us on Discord server, all that fun stuff. I spend entirely too much time that my employer would not approve of on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess uh, with all that, you know, 
just uh, be kind to each other and get out there and play some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.